0: And grow as we go well guys good morning hopefully you are doing well for those watching and listening online thanks for taking the time to do that Um, we're looking forward to wrapping up the series next week and starting a brand new series called same but different that's going to lead us into thanksgiving and that is a series where it's going to be definitely pg-13 we're doing our best to dive into some cultural things um, about how men and women are different why that's important why god created it that way and hopefully give us some handles on how we how we respond to our culture. Well, until then, we're going to wrap up this series next week with Grow. And the whole point of this series is to help us understand how we grow in our faith. And so here's a word I want to throw out. Discipline. Discipline. When you, when you hear that word, when that word is spoken, what do you think of? What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? <laughs> Growing up as a kid, receiving discipline comes to my mind. Whether that was getting a spanking or being grounded or having soap put in my mouth, I remember that. So the first thing that comes to my mind is that. Maybe for you, it's doing something you don't want to do, but you know that you need to do it. Working out, working, budgeting, cleaning, studying, and yes, even the hygiene. It's interesting. We have a, a like a group of young kids that don't want to brush their teeth. They don't want to take a bath. They don't want to take a shower. It's like, oh my goodness, like you need to take a bath. You need to take a shower. You need to brush your teeth. Uh, The downside of growing up in PA is how serious we take football and wrestling. Um, And for those of us who were wrestlers, we didn't have to really work out during the off season because we lived on a farm. But for those um, who played football, they didn't have that opportunity, and so it was interesting how the coaches would constantly push, working out in the weight room, and that was something I did not want to do. I wasn't the biggest kid. I definitely like got tired of kids asking, "Well, how much can you bench? And how much can you squat? And how much can you deadlift?" And man, I was the, I was small. And I was little, but I had that old man strength from from being on a farm. And in my thought was like this, listen, try baling hay in the middle of summer and throwing those hay bales in that back of that truck. Try splitting four cords of firewood in a week. Initially, I resisted, but man, I'm glad that I did work out with some of my friends, my teammates, because it helped us grow as a team. And I was better for it. And I think that's most of us, right? We initially resist We initially resist, but we never regret. Having good habits develops self-control. As we do something over and over, it becomes normal. And when it becomes normal, we can say no to things that keep us from doing that habit. Over time, endurance leads to enjoyment. When something that starts out as a discipline becomes a habit, then it becomes a lifestyle, that's life-changing. It's also life-preserving. Whether it's exercise, coming home earlier, saving more, and spending less, eating less manufactured sugar, or calling your mom, all of those things are (laughs) life-preserving. But we live in a culture of instant gratification, do we not? The discipline is the opposite of instant gratification. Discipline is delayed gratification. This is why I believe that we were one of the most undisciplined generations. Notice Professor Frank Ferretti's observation when we provide instant gratification. In the absence of those clear signposts, meaning stop, wait, yield, the line between childhood and adulthood becomes fuzzy, and everyone, adolescents and adults alike, become confused about the roles. As a result, some parents behave as overgrown boys and girls and abrogate their responsibility to uphold a value system from which their children can learn. Ouch. Ouch. The truth is, delayed gratification, we we can define it this way, it's doing what we need to now so we can do what we want later. Now, you hear people like Dave Ramsey say this, live like no one else so that one day you can live like no one else. This idea that I have to delay instant gratification. I have to push that aside. I have to work on what I need to work on right now so that I can enjoy something later. More on this in a minute because we're going to apply that spiritually. So this whole series is based on a survey we did in the summer. Hey, what are some things you want to learn? What are some things you want to see um, in your own life? And one of the things that people kept talking about was, how do I grow in my faith? How do I grow in my faith? And Jesus' invitation is simple. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to follow him. Not just to believe him, not just remember him, but to follow him. Following is doing. And it seems like we've sort of reduced a Christian to just someone who believes. Someone that doesn't require a lot of change is someone that has to believe. And if, you're, if you believe, you're in. And then there's so much more to the Christian faith than just believing. It means following. It, it, there's sort an of active change that needs to happen when I believe. Following is active, it's relational, it's demanding, it's inconvenient. If we only believe and we don't follow, if we only believe and there's no change that happens in our life, then this just becomes a hobby, and this is something that's going to wear out eventually, because it has no substance. We get substance in our relationship with with Jesus by following you know, God is most honored by a growing faith. I think for some of us there's a struggle. There's we're wrestling with, man, I know who God is. I've seen him do some really amazing things in my life for my salvation to a healing. To I've seen him provide in ways I never thought possible. I've seen him help someone that I care about. I've seen him do some really cool things. I know that he's loving. I know that he's good. I know that he's just. I know that he's perfect. I know those things but you find yourself sometimes in a situation and you begin to doubt. You begin to doubt because you've been praying and it hasn't come through. You've been praying for someone else and it hasn't come through. See, a growing faith, trust in that gap. We're trusting who God is. We're believing That God can do something that no one else can do. See, in that gap is where we place our faith and hope. In this series, we're going to be answering this question. What fuels the development of our growing faith? How do you and I develop a faith that goes the distance? Regardless of circumstances, regardless of situations, regardless of what people may or may not say or do to us, how do we have a faith that goes the distance how do we have a growing faith that goes the distance there are five things that we believe that god uses to grow our faith and each of those things were spelled out by jesus the first week we saw practical teaching he said either you're going to build your house on the rock my teachings or the sand we learned that when we apply god's word and see god faithful and honoring his word our faith grows the second week, we saw that the second one is personal ministry. We learned that humility allows us to experience God's strength in our weakness. Uh, we, we talked about how important it is to serve in Jesus' name, that we are the most like Jesus when we serve. Last week, we saw the third one that was providential relationships. We learned that we may not see it in the moment, but when we look back, we see the evidence of God providing people in our lives at just the right time to help us take a next step. With him. In these, we talked about that God takes pleasure in airdropping these people in our lives at just the right time to create a change in us, to help us to see something maybe with better perspective. Um, we need someone to confront us. We need someone to provide us encouragement or hope or come alongside and support. Well, Today, we're going to be looking at the fourth thing that God uses to grow our faith, private disciplines. And when people share their faith story, when they share their testimony, they may, you may hear these things, or I've heard people say these things. We knew we needed to attend services. We knew that needed to be a regular part of our, our life, but we had to start somewhere. And so we started three to four times in a row, and that became a habit for us. The first time I prayed, I was scared, but then I kept going. I've heard people say this, when we gave for a month, our first month of giving, we had doubt on how God was going to use it. But we're so glad that we didn't stop after the first month. See, these disciplines, they begin as a need to that eventually leads to a want to. They're predecided, and that's what habits are. Habits are predecided, Even if it starts out checking a box, our faith begins to grow. And when that begins to grow and we don't do those things, we feel like we're missing out. I know you've heard me say this before, but the ultimate relationship in your life is not with your spouse, not with your kids, not with your parents. The ultimate relationship you and I have is with God. He is our ultimate relationship and we have that relationship through Jesus. Now, if that's the ultimate relationship, that means we have to invest in that relationship. That means there's some things we need to do to get to know him, to build, to invest in that personal relationship. So when Jesus says, follow me, it's personal, it's daily, it's all-consuming, and our faith is external and our faith is internal. So let me explain it this way. If the externals don't come from a place of personal connection to our Heavenly Father, they become have-tos instead of want-tos and need-tos. It becomes, and here's what begins to happen, if, if nothing is happening on the inside of us and we're going to church, we're trying to read the Bible, we're trying to do all these things, we will fizz out. We, we will fizzle out. And the reason why is because it's not sustainable. You're going to get tired. I'm going to get tired. Something needs to happen inside of me, internally, for me to do the things that I need to externally. Externally private disciplines are the lifeblood to our relationship with our heavenly father is jesus king of my heart or is this something i believe do the things that bother god bother me do the things that bring god joy bring me joy and so when people refer to spiritual disciplines they reference three disciplines daily devotions percentage giving and corporate worship so let's look at daily devotions They usually talk about reading or listening to the Bible, praying, maybe fasting, and maybe listening to music. We definitely recommend downloading the Bible app, which provides Bible reading plans and prompts to pray, so it teaches you how to pray. And this is important. Daily devotions are important. The reason why is because you are inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to confront you, To prompt you, to warn you, to remind you, to assure you. In in fact, Jesus taught this. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. Pray for your Father who is unseen. So Jesus is commanding you and I to set aside time to connect with God. It should be done alone. Because it's undistracted attention that you're giving to God. In fact, not only did he teach it, but he modeled it on several occasions. We're going to read a couple of those occasions. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Jesus was was more busy and more productive than Tiberius Caesar during this time. And with a full schedule of important work, notice that Jesus still made time with his father. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was a regular rhythm for Jesus, and he did it alone. And Peter, he recounts one of, one of those moments, and Mark is writing it down for, for Peter. and He says, listen, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He's like, he's like listen, Mark, we got up. And we started making breakfast. We got the berries together, maybe the turkey bacon together, and we realized that Jesus was gone. We looked for him. Simon and his companions, we went out to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Peter's letting us know that Jesus made time with his Father. Jesus gave the Father the first part of his day and so should we. It was a discipline for Jesus and it ought to be a discipline for us. And when we have those moments, time set aside with God, we we ought to recognize his greatness. We ought to recognize who he is, his character, his nature, who he is. Then also surrender our will. God, your will be done, not my will. And deepen our dependence on him as we face temptation and stress and adversity throughout the day time alone with god refocuses our attention on him his purposes and his plan spending time alone with god fine-tunes us and it brings i believe god joy now to the second of the three disciplines you have daily devotions and then you have percentage giving we talked about this last month but percentage giving is pre to give a percentage of your income to invest in what God is doing through the, the local church, for the community, and for the world. Giving is not just about money. It is about priority. It comes down to whether or not we trust God to provide or we trust ourselves to provide. And Jesus taught this. To so do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Perhaps you've thought or said, how am I going to afford this house? How will I afford to send our kids to college? Will I get that job? Will I get that promotion? What should I wear today? And Jesus says, don't worry about those things. And we may think, we may respond, how can I not? How can I not? He says, for the pagans run after all these things. The Romans and the Greeks run after, after all these things, to the pantheon of the gods. So this was becoming a faith issue. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows what you need. And He, as the perfect good Father, will provide what you need. And in the meantime, while He's getting all that sorted out, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The priority is seeking God, his values, his right way of living. And when we follow all, all of those things, our needs will be provided for. Giving is like working out our faith because it involves letting go of what we are most inclined to put our confidence in rather than god giving is a tangible way of shifting our dependence on god we're shifting from us to god it's about faith than it is about money our issue is whether we're going to trust god or we're going to trust ourselves to provide the number one contender for your loyalty and my loyalty isn't the devil money our financial security and jesus invites us to trust him with this i get it i get that it's hard to start this as an adult when there's a mountain of debt and there's a difference of opinion with your spouse i get it and it's been said it's been said please don't hide behind i'll give when i see i need see that's what pagans do in fact That's what Americans do. And if that's the only way you and I give, it does nothing for our faith. And this may sound really unkind, but all that does is stroke your ego. It's not growing your faith. It's growing your ego. So now to the third of the three disciplines. You have daily devotions, you have percentage giving, and you have corporate worship. Here's the truth. Something happens personally when we gather publicly. Something happens personally when we gather publicly. The group dynamic makes a personal impact in your life and in my life because you recognize that you're not alone. You're not in this alone. I don't know if you've experienced this or not, man. When people sing together, when they see lifted hands, when they hear stories of life change, man, there's something that happens. There's an energy there. It's, it's interesting that we're willing to go to concerts and football games, pack out stadiums, man, we're, and it's electricity, right? It's an electric event. It's an electric atmosphere, right? Same thing can happen at church. In fact, there's something that happens when we gather together in person. That when Jenny and I and Brooke, when we're on vacation, of course, we'll hit up what happens on demand and online. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll part of that. Like, we're going we're gonna to listen online. But we also attend in person at one of our partner churches. It's a value to us. It's important to us. In fact, Jesus taught this. He says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We experience the presence of God through the Holy Spirit publicly in a way we can't explain than when we do it privately in a room. There's something different. There's something about a group of people singing together, listening together, and serving together. And maybe it's it's because we're giving up individualism. I becomes we. And there's something about we that is better than I. And Paul taught this. Paul taught this. He says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Perhaps it's been a habit, right, to attend without any involvement. And here's the truth everyone needs a friend, everyone needs a group, and everyone needs a pastor. Because life happens. There's an aspect of Christianity that you and I cannot experience alone. We are part of a community. And we are called to participate in that community. So here's the challenge. Give this for a try for a month. 30 days. What if we gave our Heavenly Father the first minutes of our day, first dollars of our income, and the first day of the week? God, I believe, will use these disciplines to grow your faith deeper than you would ever imagine. So there's two questions to think about. Growing up, Were you encouraged to develop habits that could be described as personal spiritual disciplines, whether prayer, fasting, um, giving, devotions, uh, church attendance? Did these habits carry into adulthood? And then, when it comes to these three disciplines, are you reactive or proactive? Are you reactive or are you proactive? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're incredibly thankful of what Jesus taught. Jesus not only taught, but he modeled spending time alone with you. He also taught the importance of percentage giving, that we're investing in the local church. And quite honestly, we are the most like you, God, when we give. And then he modeled getting together with his disciples. Paul taught that. That we are part of a body. This is much bigger than just one person. The fact that a body needs each part to work together. The fact is that we need each other. We need each other. And we all bring different things to the table. And our Father, I ask that people would take a next step to develop habits. Healthy spiritual habits that develop their faith, that grow their faith. I pray that we're willing to take a next step, whether it's downloading the Bible app, maybe it's fasting. For others of us, it's getting to church more than one time in six weeks. Father, I don't know what it is, but I ask that we would grow and we would start growing because there's so much at stake. In Jesus' name, amen.